First Peter chapter five. Um, I, I told myself I wasn't going to do a lot of this, and I'm not. But I do have to. I do have to mention this. Uh, I, I remember. Just just let me reflect for just a second. <laughs> uh, I remember coming in here for the first time before really anybody was here. The the original church that was Christway was here. The remaining members of that church, Brother Dusty and I were here, and we we sat together and we came in. And, and for one of the worship services, uh, there were more people on stage in kind of their choir than there were in the audience. I'm serious about that. Uh, the faithful people remaining in this church that was Christ's way did not want this church to cease becoming a church. And so they prayed, and uh, God worked all those things out. It became Lindsay Lane East. Uh, I can remember standing back there in the corner with Miss Lisa taking picture, taking a picture when our sanctuary was like full for the first time. And then as I'm sitting there with, with Brittany and we're singing in, in, in songs of worship, then I'm thinking like, now we got two of these. Like we got two, two services of these. And God did that. Amen. That's the point. That's what we're going to talk about today. God, God does those things. If, there, if God didn't have a word, we got no reason to come here and listen. You know, if God has not worked in our life and saved us, we've got no reason to sing. Uh, the, the leadership of the church is a gift from God to the church for the purpose of moving the church. If God didn't do that, there's no reason for us to show up. I mean, God did all that. And uh, I'm just glad to be a part of it. And I'm glad you're a part of it and glad uh, you'll be a part of it in the years to come to see what else God does. Because, you know, if it's based on us, you know, we, we can run it in the ground. Amen. Uh, but because it's God's, it's, uh, it's eternal and everlasting, and the gates of hell won't come against this church, what the Word says. So, uh, man, I'm so thankful to be a part of this church body. I want you to know that your senior pastor, Brother Dusty, I woke up this morning, he sent me a text. He said, give my love to the church at East. I, I know it's a difficult day. Um, and so I, w- I want you to know that uh, his relationship to East is not like ours will be to East, uh, but but he, his vision for uh, having the faith in God to start another church was was important uh, for this, and so uh, he does. He sends his uh, gratitude and love to you, and I want you to know that as, as we get started today. Uh, but First Peter chapter five, <clears throat> verses two and three, is where we'll be. And so, in the last few months, we've we've done a lot of talking about the role of a pastor and the transition of a pastor and, and pastor, 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 like all of these things that have to do with that position of leadership found in the Scripture. And so I really want to look today, and this has been on my heart for the week, and so I really want us to look today in the Scripture, if you're a Christian, believe that the Bible's the Word of God, what does the Word of God have to say about the role of a pastor? What does the Word of God have to say about who a pastor's to be, who the church is to be in response to that, how it all works together, and then we're going to look at a, a, a pastor in perspective of God's Word. And we'll look at that and start with from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. And the Bible says about elders or overseers, under shepherds, pastors. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you, which means it's God's for you to oversee. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Lord, I just pray today that the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, that the things that I am preaching and teaching, Lord, would, um, would pierce our hearts and minds, that you'd help us all to subject ourselves to your authority, for we need it. And Lord, I just pray today that this truth would be made plain. In Jesus' name, amen. 
The role of a Christian minister is basically, simply, and seriously this, to care for and to lead. Care for the flock willingly because you're eager to serve the Lord. Lead by your own example. Jesus told Peter to do that three different times in John chapter 21, to care for the flock. And so caring for the church and caring about the will of God is a prerequisite to ministry. You don't care about the church, you don't care about the will of God, there's no need for you to think about preaching. No need for you to think about Christian leadership until we get those things correct. For the Bible says, care for the flock, watch over it willingly, lead them by your own good example. The first step of stewardship for any potential Christian minister is do you care about people and do you care about the will of God? If so, then you're in a good position to move forward. And I'll take it one step further. If you don't care about people and don't care about the will of God, you need to check your Christianity to start with. And that's not just for pastors. That's for everybody that calls himself a follower of Jesus. But as a shepherd tending the flock, and that's the picture that the Bible gives us, a shepherd tending the flock will feed the flock, in this case, with the word of God. They don't have to come up with it themselves, make it themselves. They are teaching, preaching the word of God. They are to direct the flock to where God would have them to go. And it's not just directing, it's not just preaching. But as a shepherd, a shepherd is to guard the flock against what would come against them. Listen, if I have ever, if any of our staff has ever, if Heath ever, if any of us ever sit down before you and warn you or caution you about something that's going on in your life, know that it is what God has designed that to be like. Meaning God has given a gift to the church for a Christian leader to know the word for themselves and to experience it themselves and then to take that, turn towards you and say, don't do this. If you do, it's going to burn you. Will you trust in that? I'm serious. I'm serious. I don't know what other to say other than like shake you by the collar. When God has positioned a leader in this church to sit down in front of you and say, watch it. That is God's gift to you. That is God's gift. I've had my pastor sit down before and say, let me tell you something you've got to worry about. It's this, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because it was just for me to know. <laughs> but he said, I'm going to tell you, if you don't watch this in your life, it's going to get you. I think about it. I'm serious. I think about it all the time. If I've ever sat down before you, and if Heath ever sits down before you, that's God's purposeful gift to you to keep you on the straight and narrow <clears throat> It's the under-shepherd. It's the overseer. They're watching over your souls. And so they're to guard, guard you against what would come against you. They're to help you as you struggle. A pastor is to encourage you as you obey the Lord. And the pastorate, if you look biblically in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the pastorate can be a career, certainly biblical to do so. But I can tell you this, the pastorate cannot start as a career. I truly do not believe you can be a junior in high school and say, I'm going to pick that. I think that's what I'll do. You don't pick it. God picks you. And that's the way it goes. And so it cannot be a career that you choose, and it certainly cannot be sustained faithfully if you call it a career. If you, if you think that this is your career, if we treat this as this is our job and our job description, it's not going to fly. It's got to be more than that. I've shared this with you, and I've, I've shared it with you before, probably years ago. I'll share it with you again. I'm standing on the football field at Athens High School. We're doing some devotionals, waiting for that. I'm just hanging out with some of the guys. Stan Young, member of our church, was there, and we're about to share the word of God. And before that, I'm talking with a young man who's a lineman on Athens High School's football team, and he said, you know what? Uh, I thought about being a preacher. I said, you did? Well, how'd that go? He said, well, there's no money in it. That's exactly what he said. And I was like, may you 
never be the pastor of my family <laughs> or myself. That's a true story. He really did say that. I probably didn't say that what I said back to him, but I was thinking it, and I couldn't get it out of my mouth because I was stunned. Um, and that's immaturity, right? And so, but there, there's no choosing of a career to do something that God must call you and compel you to do. But it's even more than just that. It's even more than the uh, earthly gain, the, the wrong motive for doing it as a career. It should not be an obligatory ministry either. It should not be something where a pastor is, I've got to preach and teach and minister because that's what I'm supposed to do. I signed up for it and I've got to do it. When Jesus was approached by a leper to be healed... The scripture says in Matthew 8, 2 through 3, Lord, if you're willing, can you heal me and make me clean? And there was an instant response from the Lord, and it was not, well, I'm God. I guess that's what I signed up for. If I don't do it, you're not going to think I'm God anymore. I'll lose my reputation. That was not the response of Jesus in that moment. When he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can help me and make me clean. The Bible says Jesus said, I'm willing to be healed. I'm willing instantly. I care about you and want you to be helped. The Apostle Paul talked about what was going on inside of him, that I'm compelled by God to preach the good news, that even if they took took it away from me, I'd have to do it. That's the calling of God that God puts on this Christian minister. And the role of a caring Christian leader is fulfilled faithfully when they have remembrance of God's own mercy to them. I have not forgotten. I know Heath has not forgotten. I know your staff has not forgotten when God saved them. And God's been so good to us, we just believe and are dumb enough to believe he'll do it for you. That God will help you and minister to you, save you if you need to be saved. That God will put your family back together. That God will put you on the straight and narrow. We've experienced this for ourselves. And so we just simply and seriously believe that God will do it for you. And so when the minister ministers out of that heart, that's when great things can be done. So the role of a pastor biblically, what we saw in 1 Peter, calls for care that they are to watch over the flock willingly because God's changed their heart and he believes and you believe that they can do the same. But it's also about leadership. The scripture says, lead them by your own good example. The assignment of pastor is a biblical assignment of authority. It is. Now, again, I want to, I want to say this today because we don't spend, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we don't spend all of our sermons talking about why you should buy in. To our leadership. But I do think it's important for the church to know their role and the pastor to know their role. Because when I hear that, that a church should buy into the leadership of a, of a pastor and that the pastor's assignment is to lead, I don't think, oh, yeah, it's my, it's my responsibility to lead. I think it's my responsibility to lead. And I better get on it. And I better do it faithfully because I'm accountable to God. And so the scripture says, Lead them by your own good example. This is an assignment of authority. And listen, in the scripture, look at it. God does this. God sets up systems of order. He sets it up to where there's, there's a, a, a person to follow, and it stops with him. But everyone who's under him would, would follow and follow in a certain way. And so for the church, there's an under-shepherd for the sake of order, for forward movement. And it's leadership, though. The scripture says that it's leadership. It's not lordship. It's overseeing. It's not overbearing. Hebrews 13, 17 actually says that the work of spiritual leadership is to watch over your souls. Like when I read that for the first time, I was in Christian ministry. No joke. I think I'd read it before, but as I came back around and I read it as a Christian minister, I thought, whoa, it is my responsibility to watch over the souls of those who would be considered members 
of our church. That is the responsibility and the role of a Christian leader to watch over, to oversee, to care, and to lead. Now, because it is the Christian minister's role, as it is given by God, to care for and lead his people, the Bible calls for respect and honor to that position. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to read it to you. This is the attitude for the congregation and a reminder to the responsibility of the pastor. So if the scripture says, like it says in 1 Timothy, if anybody that desires to be an elder desires an honorable position, is what it says. So there's a reminder of the responsibility to a pastor that that's an honorable position you're taking, one that's accountable to God. And then the scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, elders who do their work well should be respected. Now there's a reason why I'm saying all this, so just keep it in mind. Elders who do their work well should be respected as it is set up by the order of God. Hebrews 13, 17 says this. Now listen to all of it because we're all Christians underneath the word of God. Amen? For those of us who have been saved, God's word is authority over us and this is what it says. Obey. This is what it says plainly. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Now, if the, if the scripture says that the Christian leader is accountable to God according to their leadership, you that are following that leadership are accountable to God to do what you're supposed to do. Now, I'm getting to a point, so just hang with me. The scripture says, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. What I hope that we'll see this morning as we get going, because I'm leaving. There's no really reason for me to stand up here and talk about, this is why you need to obey the authority of a pastor, and that pastor's me. Well, I'm leaving. So what I am doing this morning is I know that there's a faithful man of God called to this position that's going to stand up here for the next while at this pulpit and preach the word of God. The responsibility that he has is great. It's a great responsibility that he's accountable to God for and that he knows full well. He's had faithfulness in his career before he got here. He knows that he's accountable to the Lord. He's supposed to care for you. He's supposed to lead you. That's his responsibility. For those of you that are members of Lindsay Lane East, your responsibility is to support him, follow his leadership as long as he's faithful. That's the truth of the scripture. That's the role that God has set up. And here's the beauty of it. When the man of God does what he's supposed to do, and the church of God does what they're supposed to do, there's balance. Where there's balance, there's unity. Where there's unity, there's purpose. And when the church fulfills their purpose, then God gets the glory. And that is why we are here. The scripture even says in Isaiah, for all of those who call God their God, they were made for my glory, for God's glory. And so while working together and accomplishing what God would have us to accomplish together as a church family. There's balance in that, but there's glory for God. And listen to what happens in Ephesians 4.12. Their responsibility, speaking of pastors, their responsibility, speaking of Christian leaders, is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. It is not the pastor's responsibility to do all the work. It is the pastor's responsibility to equip you to do the work alongside him as he does the work. As you do it together, that was one of the first things that he preached was how we're going to do this together. We're going to walk it together. And you can follow his example as he is leading all these things together. But the Bible says when this happens, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. As I'm leaving and as a new pastor is filling this role, 
if we'll all just know our biblical responsibility to lead or to follow, God will get much glory. And when that happens, we'll be a church that is the church that God has in mind. Don't you want to be that? I want to be that. I don't want to be some deadbeat church that people pass by because they ain't doing nothing. I want to be a church that we work for the glory of God and we work hard for it and we work together for it. And when we do that, God will get glory and we'll be doing what we're supposed to do. And then we can go to bed at night as a Christian leader and we can sleep well knowing that we've done exactly what God has called us to do. We've done it faithfully. Now, let's look with that in mind at the biblical minister in perspective. Let's look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist was called of God. This is John chapter 1. We'll start there. John the Baptist was called of God to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Prophesied, called for in Isaiah to announce the coming of Christ, to tell people, he's coming, y'all better get ready for the Messiah, and I'm not him. And the church had not yet been established, but he was very much still a Christian minister. His ministry was placed before the arrival. He carried out the ordinances of the church. He was baptizing people. He was expressing God's standard. He was pointing people to Jesus. This is an example of a Christian minister. And within this ministry, people gave him more opportunity as he began to minister to become more than he was. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of folks thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah. Like, are they asked him, are you the Messiah? And he's like, no, I'm not the Messiah. Are you the prophet Elijah? Nope. Are you a prophet? Nope. And in fact, all the attention was going to John the Baptist at this time. But as we'll see in the scripture, the Bible makes a distinction between one who is receiving a lot of attention and to one whom the attention belongs to. In John chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, The Bible says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who was the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The scripture says about John the Baptist that he was just a witness. Jesus is the event. He's just a witness to what's happening. I don't know anybody that's ever been to the Super Bowl. Does anybody, has anybody ever been to the Super Bowl? Does anybody know anyone that has been to the Super Bowl? We need to work on, okay, we got a couple. Guys, we need to work on our influence here, right? <laughs> <coughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Greg's volunteered to go. <laughs> I think we'd all volunteer. We have a ticket. But uh, I want you to think about, um, I want you to think about if someone you know went to the Super Bowl, they go and experience it. They come back, come back into our social circle here, a few people or whatever, and we begin to talk to them about the Super Bowl, and we're asking them all these kinds of questions. What was it like? What was the experience like? How much did the ticket cost? Whatever. Like, we're talking about all these kinds of things. Would it not be crazy for us to ask the guy that went to the Super Bowl more about himself than we went and asked about the Super Bowl itself? Are you getting me? John the Baptist went to the Super Bowl. Jesus is the Super Bowl. That's the point. John is saying, I just am a witness to the event that's coming. He, he has come. There is one that is greater than me that is coming into the world. That's the one you're all waiting for. And the scripture even says John himself was not the light. Listen to this part. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. John the Baptist and the apostle Paul are like neck and neck for number one Christian of all time. We can throw in a few other people. I get that. But like, this is the race that they're running. And the Bible says about John, he was a witness to tell about the light. Not the witness, not four-star witness, not number one ranked. He was a witness. You know who else is a witness? Raise your hand if you're a Christian. Thank you for playing. It's all of us. 
for all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we are a witness. We are not anything more important than that. We are to tell you about the event that is Jesus Christ. This is not to downplay the impact of a faithful Christian leader. And even within our responsibility to hold Christian leaders in respect, to give consideration and agreement to their lead, the Bible is making this separate distinction between minister between minister and Messiah. This is, this is the way it is. That we come in here to worship the Lord, to hear God's word. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the only way to have heaven, to have eternal life. The Bible goes on in John chapter 1, verse 23. Jesus replied to the question, or John replied to the question they were asking him, Who are you, man? How do you fit into all this? And John, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, he began to quote scripture, because Christian leaders can quote scripture. Amen. He said, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness. Clear the way for the Lord's coming. In doing so, John was saying, I'm just a host. This is the guest of honor. I want you to imagine you're at a surprise birthday party. There's a, there's a person standing at the door that is the host. And that host is doing the thing. that Anybody ever been to a surprise birthday party? All right. So they, they uh, I remember, this is random, I remember my mother throwing me a surprise, Brittany's done that for me too, at a birthday one time. We ate at Wings, it was great. But, but my mother did this for me one time in, uh, in high school. I came home after church, and uh, it was my birthday on a Sunday, it's Noah's birthday by the way, did y'all know that? Noah's 21, 21, <laughs> amen. For those of you that are visiting with us for the first time, you have no idea who Noah is. Noah is our campus coordinator, and uh, Noah looks 12, but he's actually 21. <laughs> So uh, I remember coming home from, from church, and it was my birthday, and, uh, and I walked down the hall, and my, uh, all of the friends in our student ministry were in my bedroom, and I walked in, and they were all like, surprise! And I was like, hey, this is great. And I look around, and like my, there's like my drawers are on the floor and stuff. There's <laughs> like, like all kinds of things laying around. I was like, hey, what's up? You know, I had like posters of Shania Twain on my wall, and... <clears throat> That's not true. So, but I remember that, but so that's not in the script. But think about you're at a surprise birthday party. There's always a person that's watching at the wall, watching at the window and the door. And they're the voice that's saying, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. And then the featured guest arrives. Now, I want you to imagine yourself in this scenario. There's a person that's shouting, they're coming, they're coming, they're coming. The featured guest walks in the door. Everybody says, surprise. They go up to the person that says, they're coming, they're coming, pats them on the back and encourages them. And then they talk uh, talk amongst themselves as people of the party and they forget the featured guest. Lord, have mercy if that's our church. Heaven help us. If we are forgetting the greater, if we're forgetting, forgetting the reason why we all at the party anyways. And John said, he said, I am a voice, which means I am not the word, I am a voice. The role of a Christian minister is to preach and teach and live by the example of the word of God. It's not something that they come up with. It's an honorable position because the word of God is honorable and calls for honor. And so, yes, the people should give honor to Christian leadership, but even more honor and attention personally to the word of God. I share with this, uh, the last service, I remember going to uh, Passion one time and Francis Chan was was preaching and he said at the end of his service he said there's a kid that came up to him at the end of one of the the services and said uh, man i could do what you do it's not hard <laughs> and and francis Chan was like well, what do you mean he said you just open up the word and read it and tell people to do it 
And he was like, yeah, that's actually true. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. So, like, it's, it's easier. As we shared last week, I'm standing before the main campus. We're talking about vision stuff and a lot of what he had the responsibility to do. And we've talked about that. It's really hard because he's not been here. I've not been there. And so we're, we're, it's, it's very difficult to say what we're going to do because it's not really up to us. It's where the Lord would take us. It's easier just to open up the Bible and preach from it because that's what God said, and we'll just tell you what he said rather than trying to think up something on our own that's going to fall flat anyway. So, so we'd rather hear from, from what God has to say. And John was like, guys, I'm just a voice. The word is coming. The word of God is coming. In John chapter 1, 26 and 27, John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine. Now, see the recognition of ministry? John recognized that he was a minister. He said, though his ministry follows mine, listen to what he says. In the proper position he puts himself in. I am not even worthy to be his slave and to untie the straps of his sandal. John is minister. Jesus is Messiah. And John knows it and knows it well. John baptizes with water. It's the ordinance of the church. Jesus said we must be baptized. We must do all that God requires. said that in Matthew. And so John is performing baptisms, getting ready for the people that are coming to place their faith in the Christ that is coming, in the Messiah. The word baptized means to make whelmed, to make whelmed. So what John was doing was baptizing folks like you see here to represent that interchange that God is doing in the life and heart of somebody that's placed their faith in Jesus. John is overwhelming them with water. Jesus overwhelms with the Spirit of God. That's the difference. We're doing these things that are symbolic of what God is doing on the inside of us. He's overwhelming us with His Spirit. How so? Well, when you do things you're not supposed to do and it's outside the word of God and there's an inside conviction, that comes from God. It's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming that you don't feel like coming to church because you're in shame. Where's that coming from? Truth. God's truth. It's overwhelming. When you've been comforted and you know that you're saved and it's been reinforced and you stand in there as Patrick leads us in worship and realize that you're not going to bust hell wide open, you're going to heaven and you raise your hand up, why do you do that? Because you're overwhelmed by the Spirit of God that God has done a work in your life. And that's what God does. That's not what a pastor does. That's what God does. No minister of God saved your soul. No minister of God sustains your faith. No minister of God lives within you. Are they a gift to the church? Yes. Are they an authoritative, authoritative leadership, helpful gift to the church? Yes. But we don't come to sing songs to a minister. We come for Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. We want to lift up the name of Christ. For it's God who saves us. John recognized his ministry. He said, I'm not even worthy to be a slave. I'm not even worthy to work around this man's feet. And here's why John championed Jesus. I love this so much. John chapter 1, verse 12. As we're there and they're talking about John the Baptist and his ministry and how he's not the light and Jesus is. Here's why John championed Jesus. This is why John was a witness and voice for Christ. Because it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. What do we deserve? We deserve to be underneath God's feet, less than slaves. But what does God give us? If for those who believe and accept Jesus, we become children of God. Like I'm a child of God. That feels good to say that. I mean, it feels good to know it, 
knowing coming in here like, I don't care what you say. I don't care if you know everything about my past and would throw that up at me. I'm a child of God. I have turned from my sin and turned to God. My sin's been covered by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't care what you say or how I feel, Satan. I'm a child of God. And so I will stand and walk tall as a child of God, knowing exactly who I am, that I should be underneath his feet as less than a slave. But he calls me a child, calls me a friend. John chapter 3, verses 27 through 29. This comes as John's disciples are feeling jealous for John that Jesus and his disciples are gaining more ministry. That they're, they're really just, hey, John, uh, everybody's going now to Jesus and his disciples, and nobody's coming to us. There's, there's no more of that ministry demand for us. What's, what's the deal with that? Because we're, we're kind of we're struggling, <laughs> struggling here. And John replied, well, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. And the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. He said, therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. Again, John's making the point, I'm, I can be the best man and that's fine. But Jesus is the groom. And the joy of the best man is for the groom to get the glory and the church to get the good, the bride to get the good. All of this is, is said for this. John continuously says in the scripture we'll read at the end that God is greater. It's a very simple message today, very serious one. If we'll do what we're supposed to do within our responsibility as a church and as church leadership, if we do that together in unity, God will get the glory and it's deserving because God is so much greater. And if we'll do that, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.13, we'll have unity in faith, knowledge of God's Son, that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You know, the thing I take with me that's very comforting for us in our family is I, I believe that, that God has gotten a lot of glory in the last six years out of Lindsay Lane East. I really do believe that. I mean, I believe that and say it with confidence because we understand that it's, it's not us. We are in position to lead and to serve, but, but the only reason we're here and why we're doing things that we're doing is because God has, has done this work. And I, I know that Churches have done this and do this all the time, but I thought about this this morning. All the churches you read about in the beginning of Revelation are not churches anymore. What happened? I talked to a guy the, uh, just today, it was last week, standing in the gathering space trying to meet people, welcome people, the same thing we do here. And uh, he said, you know, uh, y'all go out to Lindsay Lane East, don't you? Or you did, you know, and some of them are like, hey, I work here. <laughs> Whatever. But, uh, um, but I was like, yeah, yeah, we, we did. You know, we'll be back there next week, come back, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, he said, we used to go out there before it was Lindsay Lane East. I said, you did? I said, you go to Christway. He said, no, 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 we went to the other one. So okay, so a Pilgrim Home. I believe that's what it was before Christway. Is that right? Pilgrim Home? I think that's right. And so I, I, I asked him, I said, uh, then it was Christway. That's right. I'm, I'm looking at one of the, the figure eight that was, was here as we came. And uh, thank you, Miss Mitchell. And so we... Uh, I remember talking to him about that, and he said, yeah, we, we went to Pilgrim Home. And I began to think as I was there, what happened to Pilgrim Home? Now, I don't know specifically, and I'm asking rhetorically, right? Like, I, what, what happened? What happened? But I know either they had to move or it shut down. And there may have been some folks that came into Christway. I, I know that Christway fought to have this place continue as a church, and it is. If, if we don't fulfill our responsibility as a church and as church leadership and believe that God is greater, 
You can watch and hide and watch because that name will come off that sign and he'll take that lampstand. It'll be somebody else's to do with. But if all of us would pull our responsibility to God to keep him greater, to follow the leadership, and to be a person that does so and follows so that it would be a joy to do, then God will get glory and we'll be a church that God has got in mind. I want you to listen to this as we close in John chapter 3, verses 30 through 36. And, and I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go verse by verse and word by word. I'm going to read it to you because I believe in Timothy is where Paul's like, read the scriptures to the church. Just read it. He's going to read it. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit of God just do his work to guide us into all truth, which is what he says he will do. And so this is John 3, 30 through 36. John says, after all this, when they're like, hey, man, Jesus is taking our demand. What's happening? He says, he must become greater and I must become less and less. Let that be a New Year's resolution verse for the year. He must become greater and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. Now listen, this is the last part. Anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. And anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. If you have never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save you, if you've never believed in Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, the truth of the Bible says today, you remain under God's angry judgment. God is as holy as he he is just. And so if there's never been a turning from yourself and turning to God, and you've never placed your faith in God, and what does that look like? Well, the word believe here means full confidence or you are fully persuaded that he is your savior, that you have trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, for your entrance into heaven. Are you fully confident that Jesus is your savior? Are you fully confident that Jesus is your Lord? He is the only one that can save you. There's a lot of good folks here, but they cannot do it. There's been a lot of great preachers that I still listen to on podcasts and, 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 and on iTunes and all these things. They can't do it. They're all just voices to tell you about the one that can save you. It is the man Jesus Christ. God saves through the system of sacrifice. And he gave of himself and sent his pure and perfect son so that you might have eternal life if you would turn from your sin and turn to God. Do you have your story? Do you have your testimony? Have you believed? Do you have full assurance? Are you fully confident that he is yours? The biggest news to date for our church is not that a pastor is coming or that a pastor is leaving, but that God has come and that he has made a way for you to be right with him for all eternity. Heath prayed this in both services, and I'm glad that he did, but he prayed before we started, teach us to know you. Teach us to know you. And I love that, and here's how it ties in with today. God wants you to have less and less of everybody else and more and more of him. Is that an arrogant thing of God? God and his pride would be about his glory? No, and here's why. God knows that if you'll make more and more of him, you'll have less and less of a mess. 
God knows if you'll have more and more of him, that you'll have less and less of sin, less of less of, of doubt. Your life will be less if he's not more. And so I invite you today, as our altar will be open, you have an opportunity to respond to this message. And here's how you can do that. One, you don't have to walk an aisle or catch me at the door or anything like that. But if you know you need to be saved, here's what you need to do. As we stand to our feet, and you can go ahead and stand to your feet. As we stand to our feet, we bow our head and we close our eyes. If you know you need to be saved today, this is what I ask you to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you know you need to be saved today, you believe that Jesus is the way, you've never turned from your sin and turned to God, why don't you call upon the name of the Lord right now the best way you know how? Admit you're a sinner. Call out to God to save you, believing that Jesus is the way. If you've never done that and you know you need to and it needs to be settled, you need to have full assurance, why don't you do that right now the best way you know how? If you've got questions and you need to ask more questions, Heath's here, I'm here, we've got our, our pastors and staff here, we've got counselors here, these people are here for you. If you've got questions and want to ask questions or you need help, why don't you come? Just say, I need to be saved. That's all you got to say. Or I want to join the church. Maybe you want to catch us on the way out. That's fine. But in the next few moments when the music's playing, why don't you respond to God? As we said, this altar is open for you. If you need to come and pray, or if you prepare your heart to worship as we, before we leave here, Lord, we thank you for this time that you've given us, this reminder that you have gifted the church with Christian leadership and our responsibility to that. But even greater is your gift of mercy and love and grace poured out for us through Jesus. And we're so thankful for that. Lord, may we never forget it and may we live off of it. Lord, would you work in our heart now and help us, Lord, even if we don't know what to do with what you're doing in our heart and mind now, that we would just talk to somebody. Lord, that if we would understand, we just need to open up and talk to somebody that's in the church that can help us. That's what we're here for. Lord, thank you again for how you've put together people in the family of God. We thank you for this church. Thank you for this time of response. Help us to do so with a genuine heart and mind. In Jesus' name, amen.